Hey guys, welcome to Cold Film Review, the podcast where we discuss the films you love and no one else gets and we see if they hold up. Tonight, we're shooting up liquid eyeliner, we're turning crime into beauty, and things are going to get a little trashy as we review The King of Filth, John Waters' 1974 trash epic, Female Trouble. So let's just start the show. Your Hollywood system stole our sex and co-opted our violence, so there's nothing left for our kinds of movies. <laughs> I did not hit her. It's not true. Clopex. 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 Up yours, baby. Me and Bubba, my little brother, listen to you every night. Where in the hell are we? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Okay, guys, thanks for joining us this week. Do us a favor. Just go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Make sure you subscribe so it automatically comes to your phone or whatever listening device you're listening to us on. And tell a friend about the show if they're into cult films. All this stuff, they help. it helps us out. You know, helps us climb those charts, as we like to say here. <laughs> as we like to say. We do like to say that a yeah. lot, don't we? Yeah, we do. So today, we are talking about Female Trouble. It was directed by John Waters. Came out in 1974. Had a budget of $25,000. Made a box office of question mark. Was filmed in the U.S. Has a rating of NC-17, even though John Waters doesn't understand why. And has a 79% in Rotten Tomatoes. We finally made it in the uh, Above 20 Club Yeah, on that. All right, guys. If you don't know what this movie's about, it's about a spoiled schoolgirl that runs away from her home, gets pregnant while hitchhiking, and then ends up as a fashion model for a pair of beauticians who like to photograph women committing crimes. That's basically it. This is Chris's pick. Chris, why did you pick Female Trouble? I picked Female Trouble because uh, while I was going back and forth, Pink Flamingos or Female Trouble, I do want to cover Pink Flamingos at some point. But in my opinion, I think Female Trouble is the better movie of that era. Um, and, uh, we haven't really touched on John Waters since lap, like the beginning of the show, we did Cecil be demented. So I wanted to bring him back into the circle, try one of his really early, uh, films and see what you guys think of his early work compared to what you've seen in his later work. And before I ask this question, if anybody has seen this film before, let me introduce everyone so you know who's answering these questions. We got Kyle Smith. Hey, how's it going? Chris Willenbrecht. What's up? And Michael Salustio. Hello, everyone. All right. So had anyone seen this movie before? Negative. No, I have not. I had not seen this movie before either. Yeah, and of course I had. This is... Uh, <laughs> this is. We all know you love John Waters, Chris. <laughs> this is uh, This is why I hadn't seen this movie before is because... I saw Pink Flamingos mm. and then automatically thought, I'm not going to like early John Waters. Yeah. Because yeah. I fucking hated Pink Flamingos. Yeah. yeah. So I always stayed away from his earlier work because I just figured it was all like Pink Flamingos. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Same for me. Yeah. And I would say there's uh, at least three there that all feel very like similar in like feel, style. Uh, quality of film. What's the third one? Maniacs, right? Uh, well, multi- no, I would I'd actually put Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, and then Desperate Living kind of in a bundled pack, if you will. I feel like that's an era of like um, of him that where, where he, he was trying to wow the audience in a sense. It was sort of like a gimmick for him to be shocking, but he just happened to have a good sense of humor to pull it off. Now, this movie is somehow linked to the Manson family. No, 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 I thought it was because the only, of- the only way it's linked is the film itself is not linked. It's the he dedicated the film to Tex Watson, um, who was one of the main uh, murderers in like the Tate LaBianca. Okay, but I want to. Okay, so so what? Can you explain that part? Because there was a part of me that for th- for this film in particular, when I when I found out about that. Uh, I was like, okay, I can kind of see that because, and I thought there was a connection based on how um, Don gets kind of like almost brainwashed by these two people that just wanted to make her beautiful. And then all of a sudden she goes and commits these crimes and it's really not because she has a love of violence that I, I right. felt, but more along the lines of like they indoctrinated her to some sort of... Yeah weird uh belief system right yeah yeah and i could see how and and you know that maybe there could be some influence there i'm sure there was because uh i know john waters actually attended the manson trials when pink flamingos was like in los angeles like 
its premiere, like he went to the trial like the same day that it premiered. So he was always fascinated by it. But I think really where it stems from is he used to visit him in jail and believed that he was truly like a rehabilitated person and that he just got fucked up with Manson for eight months and got sucked into some shit he shouldn't have. And and he felt the same way about uh what uh, the a girl, right? What's that? The, uh, she was part of the Manson family. You're yeah, saying? yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Also, the I don't remember. I don't remember which one it was, but uh, but essentially, he he was he was very interested in the case itself. Kind of inserted himself into these people's lives. Also, in like the like the prison system, like he used to teach in prisons. John yeah, Waters I, I, did. I, I, so, I heard of that. Like film, he used to go there and teach them film. So um, so he saw that people could become rehabilitated. But they they have no way out. I mean, they're in there forever, but they're definitely not who the public perceives them to be. So I think he developed an attachment and dedicated the film to him because he was going through that at the time. Okay. Which for me was also like a little weird. And the fact that not weird because John Waters is weird just to begin with. Like I've seen, I've, I've met John Waters with with Chris a long time ago. Mm. Saw his his his, his live show that he kind of does which is fantastic. If you ever get a chance to go see him live and speak, please do. He's, he's very fun. Um, but one thing I kind of got from this movie, which I'll try to touch up on later too, is that it kind of points at like the exploitation of the media and how they use like violent crimes and these people and, and, and use them for entertainment in a way. So like a natural born killers kind of thing? Yeah, where it's like, you know, like the media exposes like these people doing horrendous things and stuff like that to get ratings and stuff like that. But then I also thought, well, he's telling you this message in this in this film, right? But then isn't he doing it the same thing by dedicating it to, to, to Tex? Well, if he, I mean, if going off what Chris said, if, if he was under the impression that Tex was rehabilitated, then he wouldn't be promoting violence right i don't know that's how i take it anyways um i don't think i don't think he's promoting violence i think um personally i feel like it's his little jab or mockery at you know the world around him like intermixed with the characters from baltimore that he grew up with Mm -hmm. and knew so so i think i think it was more like drug influenced like he talks a lot about being high all the time and smoking a lot of marijuana and just it's mostly comedy based you know so Mm -hmm. Smoking a lot of marijuana. You know, smoking a lot of marijuana. <laughs> there was a lot, a lot of, of marijuana cigarettes. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 think, I think the film could definitely f- maybe be making a statement in that sense. I don't know that he's, uh, I don't know that he's got a deep, deep statement to make other than like I'm poking fun at some ridiculous there was, shit. There was some weird connection that I read about about the whole crime is beauty thing that I guess st- that did stem from yes his uh, visits with tax. Uh, visits with tax. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like again. I don't know. I don't know the whole story of how he became uh, involved with that. I know he he dedicated a chapter in one of his books to whoever this girl is. It's not Linda Kasabian, is it? No, no it's one of the other ones. Anyways, that, that that he wanted her to be rehabilitated. That he wanted her right. to get on parole because he felt that she had been. But I had never heard anything about him necessarily promoting Manson himself. No, no, I, I don't think I've ever heard him promote man so what i was saying is it's the idea the idea of uh media and, and other outlets using famous killers and, and showing and, and making them famous through through news and, and whatever uh and exploiting these people basically mm-hmm. i just thought it was weird to dedicate a movie to another violent criminal and and then kind of poke fun at, at that yeah, yeah. poke fun I mean, at at exploitation. I mean, of, I, I could see, I, I, I could see that being John John Waters like kind of sense of humor, though. At the same time, coming into play as well. Oh, definitely. So, yeah. I don't think I don't think there was like I don't think there was like he he inadvertently did something like he made a movie about the media making a big deal about murderers, but then dedicated it to a murderer, which in turn is actually he's part of a media making a big deal about a murderer. I don't yeah. think that's the case. I think I think I think it's partly his sense of humor and partly because this guy I imagine became kind of his friend and he definitely was under the impression that he was rehabilitated. So if he was dedicating to it, in his mind, I'm sure he wasn't dedicating it to a murderer. He was dedicated to a person who yeah. kinda got fucked up and he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. I don't see it as like a shock a shock 
value thing. Honestly, yeah. like I don't, and even in Pink Flamingos, it might have been to start. Like uh, he, there's a scene where she, where Divine's walking along the street and she walks by a wall that's spray painted. It says "Free Tex Watson," so that's in that's in Pink Flamingos. Mm-hmm. And then he dedicates this film to him. So yeah, there's some kind of a relationship that developed between them. Yeah. All right. With that being said, let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about female trouble. Baltimore was once capital of the United States. Uh, boss. True, 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 Miss Jude Fine. You must have been talking on the phone instead of doing your homework last night. It was the capital for two months during the Revolutionary War. That's two redes for you in just one week. It looks like you'll be getting a deficiency. What is it, Miss Holland? Mr. Weinberger, Dawn Davenport is eating a meatball sandwich right out in class. And she's been passing notes. I was not eating. I got a knife here in my pocketbook and I'm going to cut you up after class. Stop this immediately. Now they're threatening me, these awful cheap girls. My mother told me to report this kind of thing. I'm trying to get an education. All right, guys, we're back. We're talking about female trouble. Here tonight. But not literally. <laughs> We're not literally talking about like our own personal problems. No, not the troubles of females. With our girlfriends <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah, or anything like that. Talking about the John Waters film from 1974. Uh, let me start off with this question. I think this is going to be pretty unanimous right across the board. Is this a cult film and why? Uh, I'll say yes, it is. And, and my and why is going to simply be because it's John Waters. He's a cult film director. Anything he touches has that following. So I kind of thought that at first too, um, was my argument to it too. And then I thought about the time period when this came out in 1974 and, and actually how they had to show this film and like fucking basements and art houses, churches, churches, like all this stuff. Um, and it still gained, gained a following through, through that. So I, I'm going to go with that and it's lived throughout the years because of that. You know, this is, for people who are not John Waters fans, this is might be a real fucking hard pill to swallow. <laughs> you know? It's intense. Yeah, I think you're right, 100%. Like, I mean, that that's what a quintessential cult film should be, right? Like a film that that gains traction not not by how well it performs in the theaters, but how people demand it just from maybe seeing it in their basements or on VHS at this time, I guess. Yeah. Not even VHS, right? No. No, this no. would have been like Betamax. Can I can I can I rock some <laughs> some reels? Like do, yeah. do we have a uh, Well that that's how they he used to do it. He used to travel around with the film yeah. and screen it. Like the the LA you know, he's from Baltimore, so he had to go to New York, he had to go to LA. He's like, like he, it's like a rock band doing yeah, gigs, it was. basically. Yeah. Yeah. On a smaller scale, probably a little bit, but uh-huh. you know, um, and I will agree with all of you. I, I think it is a cult film, and I think it's a cult film just as a film. You know, I don't think it's just because John Waters directed it. Yeah, I think it it definitely delivers something that is bizarre and unique and like uh, a little shocking. So naturally, word spreads. I think, and that, which brings me to my next question, which be which would be: Is female trouble good bad taste or bad bad taste? Like in my opinion, like good bad taste would be like. Um, there, he's giving you like a lot of trash and he's giving you a, a lot of bad taste on top. Right. But deep down there is a message. There is something to think about within this film. In my opinion, I would say it's good, bad taste. What's bad, bad taste? Like werewolf women in the SS? Like, <laughs> yeah. It's something where it's just, it's like, it's, sh- it's really shitty. It's really trashy. But there's really no heart and soul to it. It's just shitty and trashy to be sh- shock and awe. Well, certain, uh, no, I don't think it's it's bad, bad taste. I think it's good, bad taste. I think, you know, you can tell he put uh, a lot of effort in the writing. He put a lot of effort in the set design, the characters. Like uh, So so there's a lot of, it's endearing in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, there, there are moments that you, when you're watching the film, you can see that he is trying to make a commentary on something. Um, it's, it's not just surface value, like shock and awe, sexuality, um, violence or any of that. I mean, even the connection between divine, I shouldn't say divine Dawn and and the, uh, who are the brother and sister? What's their names? Brother and sister. Yeah. Not brother and sister, but the, uh, the couple the, the photographers, the dashers, dashers. dashers. exactly. Yeah. Even that does, it, it has a deeper meaning as to. How that connection comes forth and what Divine wants. I keep saying Divine. What Dawn wants 
uh, personally. You can tell she wants to be beautiful. She wants mm-hmm. these things. This is, in its heart and soul, this film is small girl makes it big. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what this this is. He took that story and he turned it into a commentary on violence and how the media perceives violence and how art and violence are like kind of connected in some weird way and what people want and how other people can exploit that, yeah. I guess. I don't it, know. There's it, a lot of it. There's a lot to unpack. The, the, the thing that I'm, I, I maybe can't get on, as on board with is like, I don't think it's so much about the media because there's really not any media in this film. It's just a couple that maybe brainwashes the somebody very end. for maybe their the own very pleasure. I, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like the dashers represent media in a way also, though, because that's what the photography thing is. You're going to be a model. Right, right. Blah, blah, blah. So that's, what I, I, that's why I keep on relating it to, to the media. Maybe we should say fame. Yeah, yeah. Fame is probably a better word to use than media. I would say too that though, even this is was this is this isn't his sophomore film, right? Uh, No, no, no. I mean, he made multiple Maniacs, Pink Flamingos, and then then this, and then this. As far as like feature films go, because uh, I mean, this still does have shock and awe moments. I feel for like shock and awe, like close up dicks. You know what I mean? That weren't really necessary. I didn't but really even like that. Really, I didn't even see that as shocking. I would put Pink Flamingos as more of the well, 19, shocking on bad in, taste. In 1974, a flaccid dick is pretty shocking off. Yeah, but Pink Flamingos came out before that. Like, yeah, which is what, just what I'm. What, what like like th- there was nothing that like there was nothing in this film that I honestly found like quite shocking. Whereas like, if you look at something like a Pink Flamingos or somebody divine or is eating dog shit. In that movie, which is like yeah, another example. That's just like purely there to shock the audience, and and like the like legit blowjob scene is there to shock. This was the the the, the nudity, the 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 flaccid dicks, the full frontal. You see, is framed in such a way that it's just a normal, natural scene between two people having sex. I would also like well, to... Well, kind of natural. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. T- subtract the needle and those pliers. Yeah. And, the hammer. And the hammer. But no, it, it, it's not... It didn't strike me as shocking. Yeah. I'd also like to note that, like, this is a time when, like, porn is being played in theaters. Yeah. So there is a lot of that. Like, just as a lot of uh, uh, filmmakers that we adore on this show... Uh, got their education, so to speak, from the midnight matinees. Like John Waters has commented how much he sees porn as being a form of art form, and he and I feel like that was pretty prevalent in this film, just as it yeah. But I didn't see any of the scenes as pornographic in any way. I mean, I, I mean, it just I, like just having. I a think it's just dick. an openness, an openness to, to to just filming nudity as it is, like the human form as it actually is. It's not like trying to hide it or act like it's. The, the the thing is, I don't think that the reason this isn't pornography is because I don't think there's ever been a sex scene in any John Waters film or any kind of nudity in a John Waters film that was ever attractive, that was ever like shot in a way to make you want to get hard and like, or you know what I mean? Agreed. Like, be in a mood. Like, and, 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 and if you think about it, the dashers are so against anything sex, you yep. know? Yeah, like, yeah. so I don't think, I don't think John Waters ever shoots nudity to be to be titillating or pornographic. Personally, I did see it as like an art form. Like, there's no way you're giving the Jonathan Demi like close up to a <laughs> dick and, and expecting people to be like, like I'm going to get immediate hard on or something like that. Even even when, uh, what's her name, Massey is like, yeah. like rubbing her breasts right. in, the, in such a weird and, and personal way. I was so grossed out. I, I wasn't yeah. so much grossed out by it as it was just kind of like, Okay, like that's how I, that's literally how I, I that's what I said in my head. Okay. That's the point I was trying to make is is I don't see it as pornographic at all, but I I do see those as gross out moments, especially for the audience of that time. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe a shock, maybe yeah, at the time maybe it's like boobs. We okay, that just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Penis that just came out of nowhere, but yeah. no, and nowhere did it look. You know what I mean? And nowhere no. was it like uh, sexual, like like really sexual, sexual at all. Yeah. But there is a part of me that thinks that. You're giving too much credit to to us being desensitized to these kind of things because, like, yeah, I can see Michael Fassbender's penis in, in shame, but it's done in such a way that it's cinemat like with so much cinematography and a layer of all of this down. <laughs> His no, penis see was it shot over and so over well. and over again. His no, penis no, was shot so well. The it, lighting. It, it's a far cry short from watching a guy take a piss and like walk into a room that's beautifully shot and whatever, right. and then seeing a massive close up of a penis for a split second that just. That looks all beat up and chewed up. I mean, yeah, the, it, it it it's presented, it's presented in its most uh, 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 beat up and chewed up way. Yeah. Uh, what's raw, the 
Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. It's raw versus something in like Shame or any other right. movie that shows full frontal where it's like done in kind of a weird mm-hmm. artistic I mean, mm-hmm. not saying that this wasn't artistic, but I don't know if it was or wasn't, but Yeah, it's tough. It's it's tough for me to say, but I do, I want to say that I do think you're giving 2016 too much credit for being too desensitized to this because I think if somebody did put this in a film, like a modern day film, no one care. Uh, no, I think it would be a like. What the fuck was that? <laughs> like yeah. most people would be like, "What the fuck is this?" Just yeah, if, 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 like, if it was a this? shot that like filled the frame for you know three seconds, then whatever. <laughs> yeah, it would be. It, yeah, that, to my well, point, I mean, I would no, agree. it made sense in this. It was a sex scene. It just like it was after uh, Dawn and a Gator have sex. Yeah, and they're having an argument, and this is a close up of it. So it was like, but it's done in such a way that it's so. Like even even the edit is so jarring. It goes from like a wide shot of the the three of them talking to a close up of a dick. That's why I think it's just a, a shock scene because it's like it was, in no way was it necessary other than to shock. I don't know if I would say that either. I yeah. wouldn't agree it was a shock scene, but that's just me. I because personally I didn't find it. It wasn't framed in a way that I found it shocking. If it was the one scene that I thought was a little more shocking, if I was going to describe any of the full frontal in it, would be the scene where. Where um, um, Tiff Tiff Taffy, Taffy Taffy's father like whips it out, yeah, and yeah. that comes out of fucking nowhere, and that kind of like boom hits you with it. Whereas like the other scene where you see Phil Frontal, you're already you're you front loaded with that scene, knowing they're having sex. So then as the camera pans and you see a close up, it's like okay, well he's naked. That's whatever they're having sex. They prepped you for it exactly. <laughs> All those mutations that you don't have any boy dates? I don't want any boy dates. Oh, honey, I'd be so happy if you turned Nally. No way. I'm straight. I mean, I like a lot of queers, but I don't think they're equipment, you know? I like women. But you could change. Queers are just better. I'd be so proud if you was a fag and had a nice beautician boyfriend. I'd never have to worry. There ain't nothing to worry about. I worried that you'll work in an office, have children, celebrate wedding anniversaries. The world of heterosexual is a sick and boring life. Sometimes I think you're fucking crazy. Uh, do you think that John Waters is playing a satire on what beauty is? Or do you think he's trying to challenge his audience on their own perception of what beauty is? Second. Challenge. Yeah. Mm, what was the first one you said? Sorry. Do you think that John Waters is playing a satire on what beauty is oh. uh, throughout the whole? Oh. Movie. This is oh. throughout the whole movie. Now, do you think he's trying to challenge what the audience's perception? Uh, of beauty well, is? okay. I want to take that back. Go um, ahead. I would say your second one is more detailed as to what it actually like. What a satire is supposed to do but challenge you on? I mean, that's yeah, that's, that's true. The point of it. it I, I I think he wanted to. Uh, I would think he just wanted to scare people essentially, like with with like the. Or we, we're talking about well, because like, the fashion and stuff. No, like not that? just not just the fashion, but the this, the, the the obsession of, with with beauty throughout the whole movie. But they're focusing um, on hideously like disgusting things, and they're saying it's beautiful. And I'm wondering if he was trying to say like like if he was playing a satire is like th- like this is a joke. Like you, if you guys like this is a joke. I don't think it was a joke. Be- beauty's a, be- like, or is he trying to say no? Even ugly things can be beautiful. I would I would go that I would say it like that, but I would say it more in the sense of like he's focusing on the fact that beauty is a subjective thing. That what one person sees as beautiful, another pe- another person might see uh, as ugly, and vice versa. And it's very clear. But here's the thing: Dawn's understanding of beauty seems to be relatively superficial because it's only she wants she wants attention. Yeah. That's yeah. a weird thing about this. She seems, all. She seems sees fame as beauty. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. Well, like to, I mean, I think just to go off your question, Cody, I think it started off as more of like an exaggerated joke, sort of. I mean, Divine was k- created uh, with the intention to scare actual drag queens. Like, like it was almost more of like a kind of a joke thing. It was like I want to be a drag queen, but I want to fucking freak them out because everybody's scared of them, you know. And then it just kind of took off, and I think. One kind of fed the other, like you know, they were already involved with like kind of bizarre people, you know, yeah. of Baltimore, and and he always tried to find the beauty in like the disgusting, essentially, yeah. like or the the rejects, if you will, or like like the the you know the things on the outskirts of society, the people that you know, like I mean, like Edith Massey, you know, she's one of a kind, like bizarre, <laughs> yeah, very true person, like. So I think um I think I think he probably always had a fascination with like the ugly if you will but like could make it 
socially acceptable, you know, and maybe beautiful, if you will. But then what is he saying as a filmmaker when, you know, Dawn goes on and then... She, I, I believe that her her opinion of what beauty is is skewed. And it leads to her committing basically a mass well, shooting. Yeah, I mean she's selfish. And then going to jail and killing first, her daughter. First of all, you know I think she's just a selfish character. A- absolutely. Like from the get go, all all of them are. It's like bratty kids, you know, bratty kids that didn't get their cha cha heels for Christmas and mm-hmm. pull the Christmas tree down on top of their mother and <laughs> and run off and get get knocked up and and lead a life of you know uh, delinquency essentially. Mm-hmm. This might be along the same lines as, as the que- uh, last question too. Um, so, but do you think that Don Davenport was a representation of, of John Waters after the underground success of Pink Flamingos, and then the Dashers uh, were his like were his audience basically? And, and what I mean by that is that the hipsters that that took watching Pink Flamingos as a badge of honor and snubbed uh, people who couldn't like make it through it. Because a lot of people would walk out or or, or whatever, and, and who didn't get it maybe, uh, kind of blew up his kind of blew smoke up his ass about trash films, and he was kind of making a a point to make fun of them in this Jeez. with with the Dashers, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I mean, touch that. Yeah, that's. I mean, I don't. Re- I, I don't know. I don't really think it w- went that deep. Honestly, because I look at the uh, like, I, think I don't this know. Film was highly influenced by a lot of earlier like trash films, underground films, like that not many people had heard of. I think he incorporated just like a lot of different ideas. I don't know that he was necessarily taking out his anger, f- frustration, or anger or observation in, on his film and trying to say like, you know, I'm being treated this way or being treated like. I don't know. I'm not trying to say he was being treated bad or anything like that. What I mean is, is that like. Here he goes and he makes a trash film where, like, obviously a lot of people walk out. Pink flamingos are not big, you know. I think that's where he got the 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 Prince of Puke moniker from because a lot of people threw up with the dog shitting scene and um, stuff like that. And and there was the few people who did make it through and carried on this this legacy and stuff like that um, for for that movie are kind of like the Dashers in a way where they're skewing this view of beauty and turning it into something that it might not have been um, and and telling him this and that John Waters always bites the hand that feeds him, right? That's like his thing. He always bites the hand that feeds him. And so in this one, he's more or less having the Dashers be a representation of maybe his own audience. Well, I could see what you're saying in the sense that like there's this whole story, you know, he talks about like people going to see Pink Flamingos and like, like, high upper echelon people coming to see this midnight movie that they'd heard so much about, like sitting on the floor and like puking and throwing up. So if you're like comparing like maybe like a scenario like that and like translating it to the characters that like the debt, you know, like, yes, like then, then I could see that maybe, okay. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's making fun of like that class of person. I definitely think he is. Uh, See, I kind of want to disagree with what you're saying in terms of the dashers being representative of an audience personally the way i took the dashers was as i guess how i put it would, would be um artists who don't really actually believe in the art that they're presenting i think there's a difference between pure exploitation mm-hmm. and people that see exploitation as a means of art right so i think the most telling thing is in the court scene when the dashers are actually actually put on trial for right. it it's not like they stand up and say you goddamn right we fucking support the art that we put out there, and yeah, right. this happened. But you know what? This is what we find to be beautiful, right. and we pre- and we presented it as it would be. They don't go down with Dawn. No, they absolutely turn their back on her, and then go right back. And then you realize that maybe what they were doing was just exploiting the idea of beauty, of crime being beauty, not actually believing that crime was beauty. I like that. That's a very. Yeah, I think. I, could I think you may have nailed that. that. Sure. I think you nailed that on that. I yeah, would agree because they. I mean, they obviously they throw her completely under the bus and you, like make up shit you know, just to get her put into jail. So, you know, it's like, yeah, completely turning your back on mm-hmm. on something that you try to use, manipulate. I mean, maybe brainwash. he's saying that about other... I mean, I don't want to get into the mind of John Waters, but maybe he's saying that about other artists, maybe that he he met or, yeah. or something. Maybe yeah. that's what he's... Because certainly we've met people like that. Yeah, I've definitely. met people like that where I'm like, you don't really believe what that's- you're... No, that's a fantastic point. I didn't look at it from that way until you just explained it like that. And I think you you might be pretty much right on that. Do you guys think uh, um, 
that this kind of raw filmmaking exists anymore? Like, I mean, like what? Like Serbian or, film? I don't know if Serbian film. I mean, or something of that in, nature in the I mean, co- in the comedy world. I, I wouldn't I even mean, say comedy world. Like, I would just say like overall. I, it's weird. It's just like you don't see even like low budget horror films or anything like that. You don't see like th- there's this. Oh, the uh, whole exploitation ser- series of films just doesn't really exist today in general. But what I mean th- is, like, there's a lot of passion in this film. There's, like, you can tell he put a lot into it. No, so you're it. not focusing on the content. You're focusing no. on a passionate director. Is there a passionate filmmaker out there well, right not now? Well, just, not just passionate, but, uh, like, just, like, everything, the way it's shot is so raw, the way it's, like, it's just, it has this, such a raw feeling to it that I don't think I've seen a film in, in, like it. I think I think that there probably are the difference is that at this time when he made these films there was a desire or at least an underground desire to see these type of films that like permeated. There's no internet this yeah. time, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the, there's all you have is yeah. word of mouth. Um, nowadays, sure, yeah, there might be a hundred John Waters out there, but you know, no it, one's talking about them. That's the problem is the oversaturation. Like it, it, these came at a time when. Not everybody was making movies. I mean, yeah. you had to really want to do it to, you know, and I think he proves that with his early work. You have to really want to do it to like make it come together. And you almost have to be like your own PR machine at this time and go around and tour your movie and show it and create this hype and buzz. It's all different now. There's, you know, five times the amount of people making films. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much content everywhere that nothing really stands out anymore. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about female trouble. Do you want your spaghetti with or without cheese? I'll have two chicken breasts, please. <laughs> well, uh, we're not having that. We're having spaghetti. <sighs> I couldn't possibly eat spaghetti. Do I look Italian? We rarely eat any form of noodle, Dawn, but I'll take a tiny portion, to be polite, with cheese, please. <sighs> I have an extremely large glass of ice water. I want mine with lots of cheese. I'm afraid there's not enough for you, Taffy. How about some toast? What do you mean there's not enough? You can feed these two ham bones and you can't feed your own daughter. I told you things were going to start changing around here. Taffy, don't make me lose my temper in front of company. All right, guys, we're back. We're talking about Female Trouble 1974, directed by John Waters. Um, I, uh, will start off and say that, I, that, you know, I'm not rating this yet, but, uh, I'll kind of, you're going to open with your rating right now. No, nah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. You're going uh, to jump to that. I huh? was, I, I kind of jumped to this film, like, uh, especially with the, the openings in the beginning and stuff like that. I got like the humor in it, uh, with, with Don as, as, as his teenage child, um, who just was rebellious against mm-hmm. fucking everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, meatball authority. sandwich. <laughs> the meatball, meatball sandwich. sandwich scene was so fucking funny. Just like sneaking it, eating yeah. it, like, <laughs> and I love how they play like on the fatso stuff, like constantly. Yeah, that's no big deal at this no. time. <laughs> no, but uh, I I had a hard time swallowing it at first because I I don't feel like the the message was there yet as mm. far or, as far as the film. Well, but you didn't see it yet. Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, exactly. I didn't see it yet. I saw the satire as I far as to, like what they're playing on on kids. It's funny when I watched this. I had I watched the first thirty minutes of it, and I was kind of in the same mindset of. Fucking Pink Flamingos, point, like two point oh, right goddamn! Right and I and I actually stopped the movie thirty minutes in, and I took like a four hour break, <laughs> and I like did other things, Eat, made dinner, <laughs> and then I came back to it, and I definitely had like a more relaxed mindset. Like I got over it, and I could actually enjoy the film. I started enjoying it when she threw the tree. On her, oh, down on her on mother. Her, on her mother. Yeah. That scene, just when she well, didn't get the cha cha heels. Trying of, I'm trying to think when I when I stopped it. It was probably after she got fucked by the by when hitchhiking. And when and she got fucked like, by right. herself. Let's talk about those two scenes real quick. Okay, uh, okay. That that Christmas tree scene is a real life scenario that happened to his grandmother. Oh, um, nice. But uh, he wasn't there to see it, so he just obsessed about how it might have been or looked or how it went down. That's hilarious. So he wanted to put it in his film and. Uh, the, being fuch, fucked by the hitchhiker, did you guys pick up on that? That was him. That was Divine yeah. fucking himself. Because John Waters wanted to give a new meaning to the the phrase, go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's pretty funny, though. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that scene was really weird, too, because like he jumps on top of her, 
fucks her once, and then it cuts to him pulling his pants down, and then he jumps on top of her and continues fucking her. I assumed he was dry. Cut to poop streaks in his uh, his underwear. I assumed he was dry dry humping her. How How come he goes, I'm coming, I'm coming, and then he gets up and pulls his pants down and then continues? Dude, he's got, it's called stamina, Kyle. Yeah. Oh, is that what that it's is called? called? Stamina. Uh, I want to know what that is. <laughs> well, and actually, okay. So one of the one of the ladies who gets their hair done in the uh, lipstick beauty salon, which we're later introduced to, yeah. uh, she is Divine's body double essentially. So when they were shooting that scene, she the stripper, right? Oh, okay. No, not this. Not the no, stripper. no. The, the one that was um, the the one that looked like fucking Divine. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She had the big black hair, and yeah. she was like. Throw a penny in a goddamn well, and make a goddamn wish. Maybe it'll yeah, come yeah. true. Like also the re- receptionist in the um, in in the beauty salon mm-hmm. was also pregnant at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when they filmed the, after she had her her child. That they, was her they, child, right? They, yeah, they filmed Divine having Taffy. Yeah, and she rips the umbilical cord with her teeth, yeah. which and was a, which is condom <laughs> and what liver? Yeah. <laughs> Funny side note on that. The, the uh, so. Um, the grandmother of that child was in town visiting because it had just been born. And that was the first time she got to meet her grandchild was during the filming of that scene. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, Covered in fake spinning blood. Spinning the umbilical cord on the freaking couch. Like, ugh, that makes me gag. Guys, doesn't it feel good? What? Doesn't it feel good to have Chris have his own episode for once? <laughs> Chris is talking He's the most knowledgeable person in the room. I know. Man. Chris is talking up a storm tonight. <laughs> it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air. <laughs> what was the reason for for Don going to the beauty salon in the first place? It was just to it was feel the hip, better. It was the hip place to be. But wasn't but wasn't her friends telling her to feel better about herself? No, I think her friends. Yes. Well, her friends were saying, "Yeah, get a haircut, make you feel better." But they're also telling her, "Hey, there's this guy there that's hot as fuck, and he's actually your next door neighbor." That was part of it. Yeah, and he's the most tame. And then she also found out that it's an exclusive place to be in, and she wanted to be part of that. I, I think it's the precursor to 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 what becomes the theme of of her entire character development, which is. Her, you know, a- as an outcast in high school and then moving away and then getting preg- impregnated and then becoming like, a terrible trying mother. To find- well, yeah, I mean, obviously a terrible <laughs> mother because she's all about herself, but she becomes obsessed with beauty and becoming... Um, um, famous. Yeah, like desiring attention. Yeah, so definitely Well, I think famous, that all, yeah. that all, that's all kind of set up in, in, the, in the early scenes with her in, in school, though, also. Yeah, to some extent, but... But like I said, like going to a beauty salon, like, and then that's the hip place to be where she could mm-hmm. up her status yeah. as like whatever. Like she I, wanted to be a member of like the I exclusive said, club because that's this, like guys. This is glitter. The movie glitter with <laughs> Mary Carey, except with Divine. No, oh. <laughs> done by John Waters. Oh, no. Okay, and then the Aunt Ida shows up. And, yeah, well, Aunt Ida is Gator's um, aunt, and Gator's the one that. Um, Don falls in love with or falls for because yeah. he's her hairdresser. Right. Mm-hmm. And and surprisingly, he's not gay. To, no. <laughs> to, to Aunt Ida's That's dismay. Run, yeah, yeah, to her dismay. Which, which I, I think I love. Is, a, is a yeah, it's a brilliant scene. I, I, I really do. To take to frame what what is the stere- has become the stereotypical like, oh, I have a gay son, like can't just be normal kind of thing. Yeah. To frame that to in that reverse shit. really shows how insane that conversation really is. Mm-hmm. To have with your child to, to be like you just be you, gay. Yeah, can't you just put your genitals where I want you to put your genitals? <laughs> like that's an insane thing yeah. for any parent to ask their their their, their child that, to that, do. That whole back and forth though is hilarious. Like that that the way that scene opens up and it's, Gator's just like, oh Aunt Ida, oh oh Aunt Ida, <laughs> you so hot Aunt Ida, oh and it's just like Aunt Jesus. <laughs> oh my god, that's your aunt, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you look hot today? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, not at all. And not none of those days. None, none of those, those days whatsoever. <laughs> Apparently, that outfit was very uncomfortable to wear. Oh yeah, <laughs> like it from looks her. It. Yeah, from her personal. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, it looks know. it. It looks very uncomfortable yeah. to wear. Took, like, for scene. anyone. Yeah. Mink, Mink stole place Taffy, who's the obnoxious child mm-hmm. of. I liked her. Really? Because I was with Divine on this one. Or I'm sorry, Dawn with on this one where I was just like, God. I, I liked her. I, I thought I thought she was I thought I, she, I thought she was so like ridiculous and <laughs> and she was lashing out so much because she wasn't getting any attention. I just but thought I thought it was here's hilarious. This is what I liked about her character and th- and this is what I took from this, especially with her joining the Harry Krishnas, 
was that she was she was uh she was basically doing the same thing her mother was doing. Yeah. Like she just did it in a different way. Yeah. Like she's they, on, she's she on the same went, path. Yeah. Like Dawn went off with these these weird artists and she went off with this weird I will well, just I, her let's not say I don't know if I call him a cult, but like some weird kind of <laughs> well, ju- just her personality throughout the personality yeah. throughout the film is like is basically Dawn as a child and it's just it's just repeating itself. It's mm-hmm. like a cycle. I just don't can't understand why she can't jump rope in the bathroom. Because there's not enough room, <laughs> not Cody. God damn it. God damn it. Yeah, what, what not enough about? room. Her cutting that drum, jump rope in half so angrily. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I was thought that when I was watching, I'm like, ooh, is it even gonna cut? This looks like a one take. I hope yeah. that rope cuts. Yeah, a lot of these were one takes. <laughs> oh, I love the, the one take of Divine, like, or uh, Dawn. I'm going to keep calling it Divine. I, I do yeah. the I mean, same it thing. is yeah, Divine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Divine. Divine. Like, you, you know her as the character. You know yeah. her as the... As as the actual actress, actress, yeah, yeah. strutting through like no, was strutting through the city after strutting the... through the city and no one giving a fuck. Like yeah. no everybody was looking and oogling me. No one was. Yeah, <laughs> that exact same shot is in Pink Flamingos, and the thing is, is in that one they get a ton of reactions, and it's the same setup, just walking down the street, get trying to capture people, actually being like, "What the fuck is that?" It worked in Pink Flamingos. It did not work as well mm-hmm. in this film. Do you think that's because the makeup? Well, John Waters goes on to say that um, it, she, because her face had all those burns and scars all over it, people probably just thought that she was like oh, a yeah. mentally challenged person or something. Oh, they, oh didn't want, they didn't want to be rude and yeah. stare. Exactly. That was also some of my favorite stuff was just when she would call Taffy retarded. Oh, my God. Oh, the, that whole conversation. Uh, you, no, yeah, it's, huh? it's true. I, I took you to a doctor and they said you're retarded. You are most definitely retarded. And, <laughs> dude, it's so fun. That I, If we were going to talk about favorite quotes or scenes like that scene makes me laugh the hardest especially because gator chimes in and he's like look at her she's got the face of an old woman <laughs> you can tell she's retarded because <laughs> yeah, how old is being stole in, in this and uh, how old is taffy supposed to be like i took a taffy supposed to be like 12 yeah yeah probably and, maybe a little younger. And Stoll's like it was a little surrealistic. Yeah, Stoll's probably. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think she was. I think she, I think it was like kind of a surrealistic yeah. view. Okay, it was so. like I'm gonna have a 18 year old play a 12 year old. I think this is. I think this is probably my favorite being stole role or one really close to like my favorite being stole role in like all of his films. More than Cecil B. Yeah, more, way more. She's only in it for fucking. I know, but she's yeah. still funny in it. Two minutes yeah, she is. Movie. She is. But <laughs> the early films is when she really gets to shine. Uh, we go through all this, and then we meet the Dashers who uh, hate sex. I think we mentioned that before. Do, do, yeah. They do. Yeah, they, they hate, hate sex. Yeah, they hate it. Okay. I like the uh, uh, I like the spaghetti scene with them. That's fantastic. Oh, where she chucks the bowl of spaghetti. Oh no, at the just wall? just him where he's like, I'll oh. have a little bit just to be polite. <laughs> 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 I know. I love that whole scene, too, because Taffy runs in the room. She chucks a huge bowl of spaghetti at the wall, explodes all over the place, and then Dawn smashes her with a chair. Yes. And it's like a breakaway chair. If you watch closely, Mink Stoll is totally, like, bracing for it because she knows that a chair yeah. is about to be smashed over her. It's, a, it's bad wrestling. <laughs> it was good wrestling. <laughs> really? You think so? Yeah. To give away the uh, And the then there's, there's posing pictures afterwards. Like, you just won a prize. And he grabs her arm oh, he and her arm stands on her. On her like... Yeah. Uh, favorite, anybody got favorite lines? You, you, you I and I had the same one. I don't remember it, though, verbatim. Why don't I don't you say remember it? For, verbatim either, but it was, I wouldn't, oh, no, it's, I wouldn't suck your dick if I was, uh, if I couldn't breathe and your balls yeah. had oxygen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yeah. Which is fucking hilarious. That <laughs> line is so goddamn funny. Yeah. That and the, that gets me in like the fucking girl who tells on, uh, Don for eating a meatball sandwich in class. And now like, they're threatening I'm here, my life. Yeah. I'm here to learn. I'm here to get an education. <laughs> <laughs> so good. You know, the problem with this movie and picking favorite lines is I feel like every piece of dialogue is a line, like is some outrageous, outlandish, extreme, over the top reaction, expression. Like, I I can't think of one character in this movie that's tame, you know, or that's toned down in any way. Gator. Barely. Not really. He goes around fucking the entire... No, but compared to everybody else... With what I just let me follow up and say, probably one of my favorite lines in this film is, go take your fucking toolkit and go fuck a garage. Oh, like that. <laughs> that, was, that was a funny line. So yeah. good. Uh, favorite scenes, anyone? I mean, like like I said before, I, I, the scenes with, with, with uh, uh, 
Ida and Rocket. <laughs> I, I thought Rocket? they were f- Rocket. Not sorry, not Rocket. Uh, Gator. Gator. Fucking Rocket. Rocket? Where'd that come from? You know, some fi- uh, some 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 name of of, of a fifties gangster. Or, yeah, Rocket. Fifties. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, any scene between her and Gator were, were were fantastic. I loved them. I would have to say my favorite scene is probably the end scene in the electric chair. No, when she's thanking everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Just doing, she's doing her reward her award speech. Yeah, basically her her Oscar ending. speech. Yeah. And just that freeze frame it ends on and the yeah. credits start to roll is right. just great. Right. I like I like the scene when Ida uh, you know and Don are ba- like basically battling each other. Like Did she throw a fish at, at yeah, Ida? Threw it on her head yeah. and like Ida's dumping the trash out in her front yard or whatever. <laughs> which there's plenty of trash down there already anyway. I was gonna say, like <laughs> I didn't understand why she was upset. I'm like, I thought that looks like where all the trash like, goes. Do you live at the city dump? Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> the opening song was pretty badass too. Gotta throw that out there. I really enjoyed that. Is that considered a theme song? I would say it is. Okay. I think because so. it's, it's called, called Female, Female Trouble. Yeah, yeah. It's a song for and the it's movie. Sang by the actor. And yeah. this wasn't the original title of the movie, right? No. Uh-uh. What, you, what was it? It was like bad. No, it was bad. rotten, rotten minds, rotten something, rotten, rotten mind, something. rotten face, or something. Rotten face, yeah, that's rotten minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he he didn't want critics to be able to put rotten in there, so he <laughs> changed it, which I think is for the better. Smart business move. It was. It was. See, even before that. Before that, he knew he knew selling out. He knew how to do it right. Yeah, yeah. He knew how, he knew how to promote that film to get that audience in there. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So let's rate this mammer jammer, Chris. What do you want to rate it? I want to rate it syringes of liquid eyeliner. All right, uh, gives me energy. I will go first on this one. I will go first. Uh, I think I said this, but the first thirty minutes, I kind of was threw this film away. Um, as far as I was like, ah, oh, here we go, early John Waters film that. You know, just going to be shock and awe, blah, 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 blah. Um, really didn't like it. And then by the end of the film, I was pretty much praising the hell out of it in my own mind. Um, I would have to give this four out of five. I, I I think this is might be the quintessential John Waters film. Um, watch it. That's what I can say. It, it's, it's highly entertaining. It's funny. Uh, it makes you think. Uh, and it's and it's entertaining. Um, that that I mean, that's pretty much what I can say. Four out of five. Let's go, Mike. Yeah, I'm gonna give this a, a four out of five as well. Um, what I like most about this film, me personally, I'm a, I always consider myself a cinephile first over a, a particular genre, uh, a fan. Like whether it be horror, whether it be anything. Um, exploitation has never been necessarily my favorite genre as with like maybe even westerns on top of that but if you can take a genre and you can uh find a deeper meaning or or use that genre to uh elicit a certain response in me uh i ha- always have to give that credit and this film really did that for me like like well, i've already talked about how i'm not a big fan of trauma films in particular but this definitely felt like a very different beast uh, it had some of the same things in it to be sure, some of the same uh, uh, themes, but at the same time, there there was something that I couldn't help but gather that he was trying to say about society and and his views on life, and it, it made me it gave me a very introspective uh, look into the mind of John Waters, as it were. So yeah, I, I got to give this a four out of five. It's a, it's a fantastic film, and I would I would recommend this to anybody. Kyle. Um, I'm going to give it a three out of five. Um, I went into this with very, very, uh, very low expectations as I think I've made clear throughout the show. I thought it was entertaining. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I could see the, the message he was trying to get across, but I didn't feel like, um, I didn't feel like it was, um, overloaded. It, it wasn't heavy handed. It wasn't like focus on this thing it was there in the background and i and i appreciated that i did take the movie kind of at face value it's very over the top it's entertaining it's weird it's bizarre and i liked it i was surprised i actually was was thinking after the first 30 minutes in i thought this was a solid one for me but as the movie went on i i really appreciate the filmmaking the writing all of it so I would recommend this to somebody for sure so Kyle says it's not a solid repo man <laughs> <laughs> yeah bring that one back up I stand by that rating <laughs> alright Chris um, okay uh, Female Trouble 
I'm going to give this a five out of five. For me, it is one of the most well put together early John Waters films. Um, the it, most well rounded, um, and uh, and it gives you everything that you kind of need to know about about his filmmaking style. Like, like if you want to set somebody up, like if you want to introduce them to an early John Waters film. Um, I probably, you know, a lot of people could say go with Pink Flamingos, but I don't think that's really going to hook you on him as a director. I think you're going to be like, wow, that was shocking. That was bizarre, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't really, I don't think he didn't show off his directing and writing chops as much in Pink Flamingos as he did in Female Trouble. I think Female Trouble is the better film. Um, I think Divine's performances are outrageous, but hilarious and fun to watch. All the other characters seem to be pretty much on their game and giving it their all in this film. Set design is, on the budget is really creative and good. Costumes, hair, all that stuff is like for what you could do in Baltimore in, you know, in 1973 on like 25 grand. I think he really was very ambitious with this one. And, uh, you know, it's hilarious and it is shocking and it kind of takes you through all these different scenarios that you've never seen before captured on film. Um, so for that, I have to give it a, a really high rating. I'm going with five syringes full of liquid eyeliner. All right, guys, that's our show for this week. Make sure you follow us on social media on Instagram at Colt film underscore review. Also on Twitter at Colt film underscore review. You can also follow us on Facebook. You can follow Kyle. You can follow me on Instagram at Colt film underscore Kyle. You can follow Chris. You can follow me at cultfilm underscore Chris on Instagram. Instagram. You can follow Mike. You can follow me at Mike Salustio on Twitter. 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 And you can follow me on Instagram at VHS Collect. Oh, really quick. If you want to check out past episodes, you can do that at www.cultfilminterview.com. Make sure you go there and check those out. And guys, don't forget, you can uh, always leave us a review on uh, iTunes, and we'll give you a shout-out at the end of the show. Unfortunately, we didn't have any today. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Looking at you. Looking at you guys. Looking at you, world. (laughs) And just remember, if you're going to join a cult, make sure they watch good movies. We'll see you next week.